You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 340. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this podcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra presence to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks is bookkeeping software for creatives and small business owners that want to love their bookkeeping as much as all of the other fun things they do every single day in their company. So if you wanna enjoy it as much as your favorite social media or your creativity or you name it, please go try it out. If you're, for example, someone that needs to track time for different projects, like when I was in interior design project mode during the times in Chicago, FreshBooks was so easy because I could just use the mobile app and then I could create a certain hourly rate for the interior design project. And every time I was working on it, I could just press start on this little app and it would just track the time for me and then put it automatically in save mode over in there. So once I needed to make an invoice for that client, I could then send off the invoice and all my time was accurately tracked down to the minute, which was super easy and I didn't have to think about any of it. So something like that is super easy and so many other wonderful, great features. Try it for free for 30 days to see if you like it as much as I do by going over to freshbooks.com slash lively and entering the lively show in the how did you hear about us section. All right, guys, this episode is very fun. We are with Annie and the collective. Annie Francoeur is the channel of the collective. You've probably heard them on the show here over the last year and possibly are a fan. I'm not sure, but hopefully you're going to enjoy our time together. We are doing a Coco Call recording. I don't believe we've ever aired a Coco Call recording here on the show that we've been doing them in our rounds of the Collective Collective, which we nicknamed Coco as the group started bonding and getting to know one another. So on the note of the Coco and just in general, If you are loving this episode, once you do listen and you want to go get more Collective Collective recordings, if you will, we do have Collective Collective Round 1 recordings available for purchase over at JessLively.com. And on that note, JessLively.com just recently got a makeover. So in honor of the makeover, thank you, Jenna at Sunday Studio for doing such a great job on that. We are doing a little sale, a little special for the next week for Anyone that wants to purchase the Coco call recordings or the class bundle of my three previous courses, Flow with Intention, C-School, and Magic Not Manual, those all three are bundled into a little class bundle that you can go purchase for 22% off right now by using the code NEWSPARKLE, all one word, in order to check out with that. So if you like either the Coco call recordings or the class bundle, or just to see the site, feel free to go over there. Enjoy the site. And if you want to purchase something your intuition wants to dive in, feel free to use the code new sparkle for the next week in order to save that 22%. Now let's move on. This episode of the Coco is fantastic. I Like I said, don't think we've ever done it. Annie, if you want to check out her new beautiful website as well, has a new one at afrancourt.com. So you can go see her site there. But in this episode or recording of the Coco, which we've just done this Tuesday, so I'm here right after Coco wrapped up writing or speaking this recording to you guys. This is the questions that were submitted by the Collective Collective to the collective, the group of non-physical entities on their questions for this week. So every fortnight they've been in the collective collective submitting questions for the collective to address. In addition, I've also added a few questions that I was getting from people directly as well, wanting to hear about recent events and the collective's perspective. Let's go to the show. We are thrilled of the opportunity of being with each and every one of you once again. We'll be ready for your questions. 
do you have an idea about what the spiritual meaning of the coronavirus is and how can we best deal with all the hardship and struggle people are going through? And how can we what the hardship and struggle? Sorry. How can we, it's interesting because Lulu asked how she can best deal with the hardship and struggle that people are going through. So if you really look at her question, she's not in it, but she's struggling watching other people be in the struggle. So first part of the question, why would you want that virus to have a spiritual meaning? Or if we shift the question altogether, or if we shift our answer, everything, everything that is existential is having a spiritual meaning. And the virus that you call a virus is part of your lives now. It has come into your life suddenly. It has forced many of you to change a lot of things in your daily lives. And of course, in a way, it has a spiritual meaning, but it's not like if someone, like the creator part of existence said, we need to send this to humans. We need to have them open their eyes and here is the spiritual whatever. That's nothing to do with that. But the spiritual offering that is in that virus is truly there. And it's to each and every one of you to discover what it is that you can take from that. As a unique being, the one who's asking this, Lulu, you're a unique being. Jess is a unique being. Annie, Helen, Jean, all of you, you're all unique. And you have to see that your path is, is not the path of the other one. You are here as a group and you do have common goals and you do have a will to move on and to shed the mass consciousness. But the spiritual meaning of that halt in time is yours to make. There is for sure an opportunity. There is a gift. There is a general gift in that it's in the slowing down. Are you going to use that slowing down to observe, to become more aware of your own life, of your own choices, so that once that everything in the world is kicking again in this high speed that it's, you know, it was running at before everything came to a halt, are you going to fall again into the same tracks unconsciously or are you going to fall again in the same tracks consciously which is very different is that are do you want to go back there if yes in a conscious way wonderful if you're just going back there without thinking you missed you missed the the exit so to speak you're still in the same loop and then you can always evolve from that situation you can decide that you don't need to go back in the old tracks again. You can move on to what is your next step. You can, we told you many times, life is cyclical. And what keeps humans like conditioned is when they abide by these cycles without 
trying to move on when they say I'm stuck. You're not stuck forever. You may be stuck temporarily. You may be stuck because you need to declutter your own life. You may be stuck for any reasons. But know that you are the creator of your own choices, of your own life. So the spiritual meaning of this virus is yours to create. And then how can you deal with the panic and what were your words for the other ones around you? Hardship and struggle. Yes. Be at the core of you. Be in your own light. You may say my light is not big enough. You may feel it's not enough to help, to support. And you may want to go out there and be active in a doing way. But you can also be here inside of your own core and be sure that when you stand there and you are, you be the light for others who are panicking, who are having hardships, who are not seeing the ending of this, you are going to be an anchor for them or a beacon of light. You are going to be a steadiness in the chaos. And this is really helpful because there is not enough of that right now on the planet. People are still giving into the drama. People are still giving into the fears so much so that they forget they have power. They forget that they can think for themselves, that they can choose for themselves, that they can take care of themselves. And they tend to remit the responsibility of their lives to mass consciousness, to governments. We're not saying it's not good, but we're saying please choose for yourself. It is so important. So how can you help other people around you going through this chaos is by being yourself in a slowing down mode, connected to who and what you are, and knowing that this is, at least, this is like the foundation for them to calm down. If you can stay still, they will have a choice. Beautiful. Emily asks, I often have trouble making decisions. I overanalyze my choices to the extent that I become paralyzed with indecision, afraid of making a mistake. How can I move past the analysis paralysis and trust myself to make a decision that's best for me? How can I trust myself? It's about learning to go out of the mind traps. The mind wants to analyze everything. The mind has taken too big a role in your life and you're seeing that and this is the first step so we celebrate that with you and then it's about bringing your energies back into the core of you sinking down in the physical body using the breath to come down into your own core and choosing from that space grounded inside of you and not from the fearful place and we know it's difficult when you are so much in, in the analysis of everything and you're forecasting every outcome possible and you're used to that. So when you catch yourself starting to see scenarios, 
please say, oh, here I go again, and stop yourself, and don't judge, absolutely never judge what you were doing, because it's a habit that is so anchored, but say, okay, I catch myself there, I'm go coming back, I'm just taking a few breaths, really, really deep, we know it sounds simple, but those who have stick to the method, <laughs> they're seeing the results for sure. And so come back to your own center and trust your inner voice, trust your inner guidance. And so in order to be able to trust, we already shared that a few times, a few calls ago, we think about, let's say, start with the small things. Do not dive in if you don't feel you can trust your inner voice with the biggest choice of your year, you know, like a new career, if you don't feel secure enough. But start with the small things and see how this unfolds into your life. Go with baby steps, starting to ask your inner wisdom, your inner voice, or us, or your guides. What is it that I should wear today? What is it that I, and not should wear, but what would be fun? What would be good for me to wear today? What would be taking me out of my box and showing me the rest of me, showing me the me that isn't allowed to come forth most of the time because of my fears, because of my analysis, because of all these mind games. And so with your inner voice, with your inner wisdom, do the small choices and then take a bigger step and a bigger step and the, the, the trust will build and this will become like the paved way. This will become the path that you enjoy taking because you trust and you discover that the more of you is there on that path. And it's the mini you, the small you who's with the mind, but you are so much more than that. So when you try, let's say, a new ice cream flavor, even though it sounds silly, anything that takes you out of what you're used to, taking a new road to go to where you're always going, trusting that you can go out of your own track and be more than safe, be thriving in becoming who you really are. So we ask you, come back to your own self, and try the baby steps for that. I have an important question, Collective. I know that Annie's told me that you really like pajamas. Why do you like pajamas so much? <laughs> well, we are agreeing with you. It is a really <laughs> important question. <laughs> and we're, we're not joking. We are testing, so to speak, life in a human body. And we love loose stuff. We love to feel that the body is not constricted. We love, this is not our body, this is Annie's body, but we love to be able to move through it, to move in it, and to feel the softness, and pajamas is what we are discovering. <laughs> <laughs> or all that. It's the non-physical's favorite piece of clothing. It's like the new trend in the non-physical world. Yeah, next time we will be here wearing pajamas. Challenge for all of you guys. We'll be here in pajamas. So it's about understanding that the sensations, the felt senses of the body, they are so important. 
to help you be grounded. This is a vehicle that is sacred, that is yours for this lifetime. It is finite, it will end, you won't. But this vehicle is honoring you, is moving you from one place to the other one, constantly with you, constantly participating as much as you allow it to participate. So why not give it what makes it feel good, what makes it feel free, uh, that it's easy to move, that it's fun to be in a certain clothing or a certain color or a certain print that is pleasing to the heart. And so that's why we love pajamas and so many other things now. <laughs> we are fond of pink. We are fond of pale colors. And this is new to Annie. And it's just a game for us. It's fun. What's your favorite food to eat, Collective? We don't eat. Not yet or ever will? We are with Annie in the experience, but we're just showing her to honor what the body needs, which is becoming more and more easy for her. It always has been an easy piece of her life. Food has never been an issue for her. She's someone who loves vegetables more than candies. So it's not a place where she has a lot of shadows, but you know, it's a dimension that is very clear in her. So we are enjoying light things in the body. If we are to choose something, we are not choosing anything heavy. That's it. We love raw because raw it's still alive. Yes. The quality in a fruit that is just picked from a tree if possible, or that is, that has the most presence in it. The food, you know, canned food is, is something that is good for survival. It's good for practical moments, but we see it as dead food. And the body needs, and the body thrives with aliveness. So obviously, if all someone has is canned food. It's good, and it's good, and it's good. No problem with that. But when you have a choice, the aliveness of, of what you are ingesting is so important. Beautiful. Yeah. This is a great question. Lena asked, why did you choose to start providing information to us on Earth? And is there a particular reason why we in this group receive the information? We have been around for a long time. We have been popping in and out of many people's consciousness. We are currently being, we would say, received by other humans also because we are an open energy. And so we are available to humans because it is important. We wouldn't say it is necessary, but it is good that you get all the help possible to move on to switch into the high gear of consciousness it's not mandatory you will evolve anyway you will get there anyway but why not use we would say experience of multi-dimensional energy 
that has no bondage to duality. So we are here for that. And we would say we are more of a, we're not a teaching energy. We're accompanying you on your journey. We do have information, of course, but it's not structured like other voices or other energies may be. We are unstructured. We are a beam of energy coming to you in the way that is the most suitable for all of you and each and every one of you. So each and every one of you is going to hear us in a certain way. He's going to get some words and let go of others. And we invite you, whatever we say, validate with your own wisdom. Is this vibrating with you? Is this giving you goosebumps? Is it an information that, that is reaching to your heart and to the core of you? And is it making you shiver with truth or is it leaving you neutral so pick in what we are sharing with you pick whatever is good for you and to come back to this particular group we would say there is not one specific reason or one specific energy label tying all of you together but there sure is one we would say a willingness to open up to something different. There is a willingness to go your own way. There is a will in most of you to do things differently. You're not people, most of you, who enjoy being with the mass, who enjoy going like, you know, on the school bus with everybody. You like to ride your own bus. And this is in affinity with Annie's energy. That's how we're coming through you. So that is what we're sharing with you today about why we are here. Marie asks, you said we come as sparks of life wanting to incarnate in a body. What happens if the human does not awaken? Is that life wasted? Could the spark of life help the human awaken? It's a lovely, lovely question. The spark of life is always coming in the body with a will to evolve, with a will to bring forth more consciousness. It's part of the whole when it comes in. It's still part of the whole when it, it is embodied, when it, it has incarnated. So that spark of life is always connected to all that is, always. But as it incarnates, as the year goes by, you know, like birth, first year, second year, third year, it's more incarnated. And then the choice is fully taken. I am staying. I am embodied in that body. Then the conditioning start to seep in and start to cover that spark. And that's the job that a human has to do to reignite that spark when they feel ready when they feel they are ready to awaken, when they feel they, they want to reconnect with their true purpose in being here. And we would like you to read the question again. We feel we're missing something yes. here. Is it a life wasted if the spark of life doesn't wake up? No. 
Now, because there are many reasons for which someone would decide not to awaken, and then we would say it's hardly, it happens, but it's hardly impossible not to evolve in a lifetime, even though from the outside, a life would look rather gray or, you know, not divine and not spiritual. But anyway, there is something happening in that person. There is something happening in consciousness. There are decisions taken. There are choices taken. And so it's not wasted because the whole of this existence has no timeline. It has no no agenda and we need to be done by this time. So it is not a lifetime wasted, but this person will come back in the same space to start again and make new choices. So we were speaking earlier about you have a loop and are you going to kick yourself out of the loop to evolve? That person has a very heavy loop. They're not seeing any exit, any path possible to move forward. So they're just staying in the maintenance mode. They're just staying in the comfortable or uncomfortable life that they have, but they're not searching anything. So they will incarnate again. We would say the same level of energy and they have the opportunity again. That's why we say each and every one of you is the creator. You can always, always, always say, I'm not doing anything. I'm not moving or yes, and I'm going full speed. It's a choice. So are there other places in creation where beings go to forget, like Earth in the human form? Or is this the only one where the beings come in, forget, and then rediscover? When you say forget, you mean become like having a veil, losing yeah. connection. Yeah, yeah, yes. We would say there are other forms of that that we cannot even call forms. But yes, there are other experiences, but this one is unique. What's unique about this one? We would say the heaviness of the duality and the setting, the planet, the differences. Seeing will these beings achieve understanding that this body isn't different from that body. Will they come out of this experience as one or are they still going to stay separate in the illusion? So even us don't know what is going to be the outcome. We could do a whole call on more questions like that. Okay, so let's move on though. Uh, Jean asks, could you talk to us more about karma? What is it? How do we work on it in each lifetime? Is there such thing as good and bad karma? Humans use the term many ways, often as an excuse for behavior or lack of responsibility, she believes. Yeah, well, karma, it's another word like so many in the spiritual dimension for humans that has been tinted with so many beliefs so many beliefs so for us what you refer to as karma would be memory would be something imprinted in the being that is incarnated right now and there are many levels of that memory so 
let's say it's like a tide. You have the ocean. You have many influences to move the water. So you have like a longer tide that is creating the deep, deep waves. And then you have a shorter tide. And then you have like the tiny little waves that are all agitated at the top of the ocean. And so let's say memory with which someone has to live the incarnated experience, that memory comes through, we would say the heritage or the legacy of your lineage, your ancestors. This is one type of memory. Uh, so it's physical, it's embodied. And then you have another type of memory, the one that is linked to the soul that you are in this body. So they, they merge together and they create one unique being. And there are other levels of memories also. Like you have a cellular memory. You have a, we would say, a genetic memory. And all these memories, they kind of create the unique person that you are now in this lifetime. And so there is nothing good or bad nothing this is the mind trying to get a hold on, on this trying to understand life and we will say the mind is not intelligent enough to understand life the mind doesn't have the scope doesn't have the, the perspective to understand life's intelligence that is so amazing and so there is no good or bad karma if we're going to come back to your question. It's about allowing what you came forth with in this lifetime to be resolved, to come back to balance, to, we would say, to be loved enough to be, we want to show you a spot directed on something that someone may be ashamed of, you know, the spot of consciousness on it, love it, bring it to your core, love everything that is out of balance in your life, don't push it away, it'll come back high speed, just love what is out of balance in your life, don't think it, don't overanalyze it, bring it back to your core for these things to be integrated in your own self so you can move forward. What is stopping someone from evolving is that they feel trapped, they feel heavy, they feel they have a burden, they have a weight slowing them down. And in, in fact, it's kind of a reality. So it's about stopping the feeding of the drama in what is out of balance in your life observe it love it let it come home move on beautiful this is sort of on the same wave we'll continue sort of trisha said what can we do when we feel unsafe what can we do when so many things around us feel like threats that we need to protect against we would say welcome into the real world it is such an illusion and we're sorry to be that blunt but it is such an illusion what is safety? Safety is in you. Safety is how solid you feel inside of your own self. 
safety is not out there. So any crisis, any virus, any war, any threat, it may affect, let's say, the safety of your physicality, the safety of your house, of whatever is material. But the safety of who you truly are, this is your kingdom. This is your richness. This is your wealth. And this is yours to love, to expand, to get acquainted with that safety, not the false safety out there. So whenever something arises in your life, you have your own inner safety, your own foundation. And then it will be easier for you to deal with anything that is chaotic outside of you. Knowing that inside of you, you have this stillness, this connection to consciousness, that you are allowing the truth to flow through you and not fears and not the dramatization that is played around all of you in these times more than ever. Choose to leave that aside and use the power of the creator that you are to, we won't say discriminate, but to, to cleanse all that is thrown at you and decide what is your truth. And then safety will be with you. That is the true feeling of safe inside of you. It's not coming from the outside. This one's interesting. It's a dynamic hopefully we can make broader than just her specific scenario. Kim asked, my son is diagnosed with a developmental disability and has a variety of symptoms that are severe. The cause is debated by doctors, considered unknown within mass consciousness. How do I know if his soul chose his body and is content to experience life without knowing these conditions would be a part of it, or if the unpleasant chronic conditions are an effect of humankind and environmental toxins and something that I should heal? So how do I know if his soul picked it or if there's something that humans created that we should change about it? basically. And what could you share about the mother-child relationship as to how I can help him find alignment so his symptoms may be less debilitating for him? Um, we would say for you, the mom, to be with the child in the best way possible is to allow your love to flow. Being unconditionally with him, being present Loving him, letting that flow support him is the best way to be with him, with any child, and specifically when one is sick or with an ailment or with a condition. Accepting what is is the best way for him to be at peace if he's experiencing pain or if he's experiencing difficulties. So you, the mom, be at peace with what is and remembering that the soul which has decided to incarnate in this lifetime may not have chosen specifically this ailment, this condition, but surely chose a challenge. This is one thing that we can share for sure. 
the soul was adamant in experiencing something that would propel the consciousness forward. The manner in which it has manifested, this is tying back into what we were speaking a little bit earlier about the memory that is imprinted in the body that has been created. And here many ingredients are at play. But the soul will choose to incarnate with a certain restriction, with a certain condition, to experience something that may not be clear or obvious or even understandable for any of you right now. But rest assured that in the larger perspective, there is a goal to this that the soul on a higher level has chosen. So to honor that choice, we know it is truly difficult, but to honor that choice is how you can be totally still with that and be supportive of your child's experiences and your own because you are going through changes also and it requires from you a lot of adaptive energy and from everybody who is going through that experience. So the more you can come back to your own balance and trust that you are there for a very good reason. And this will support you. And this could be kind of for a broader question for maybe Kim or maybe for other people or parents too. So how would she know when it's time to try to heal, find a healing or find a solution to something for a family member, especially like a child, or when to allow it to be what it is? We would say it is very important here to check with the consciousness of the child. Is that his or hers, because we're speaking generally here, will to be supported in a certain path of healing. And we will say something here that is personal to Annie, because she has had a child who had a, let's say, a condition at birth that was difficult for her. And we as a consciousness, not as the collective, but as a finer ray of energy came to her and we showed her clearly it's the child's choice to heal in a certain way. And you have to be very supportive of that. And very, in order to let that consciousness unfold in the way with which it wants to unfold, you have to be very open to their own choices. Even though they're not aligned with yours, if they're not, they may be aligned with yours when the child grows up. But... First, it's to be sure that you're going in the direction of that consciousness. Honor that choice. Then, when is time to search for healing, for a direction for that condition? We would say, just be at peace inside of you with what is for now. Be clear with the needs of the child. And be clear with your own consciousness that whatever the child needs will be shown to you. Trust. Ask your inner guidance and trust that you will be shown the right way. 
for the child. But what is truly, truly important here is to respect the child's will of, do I want to stay in that condition because I have things to experience? Or do I want to move on and clear my path and need your help? So in a way you can work on an energy level with the child, soul to soul, to know more, to have more clarity with that. Beautiful. Marianne asked, is praying for someone else helpful for that person? Is it helpful to pray for someone else? Yes. It all depends of where the prayer is stemming from, what energy, what foundation is supporting the prayer. Is it open? Is it all allowing? Is it just wishing for the best outcome for that person? Or is it choosing the outcome for that person? Or is it wanting to constrict the person is in a certain outcome? Prayer is wonderful. Freedom is even better. So if you can be with the person and the prayer uplifts you and you, you, you connect with the energy of that person, we would say this is the best. If prayer is leading you to choose where the person will be, we would say this is not what we call prayer. This is feeding a savior energy and that is not fruitful in the way a prayer can be or a meditation or holding someone in just seeing that person when you are very still, when you are very connected to your own flow of life, to the higher intelligence of all that is, when you are in that space, very grounded, see the person, bring the awareness of that person in that flow and just orient to their highest good and let them choose, let them receive your loving energies. So for example, Jess has had a uh, friend's little daughter who's like three years old, just got diagnosed with leukemia. To me, it seems apparent that the daughter chose to have this experience. The mother, my friend, is the one that's freaking out and is the one that's really obsessed with the specific outcome. So for me, I find it more practical to pray. I already trust that the daughter will be fine, whatever the outcome is, because that will be your highest, but that I pray for the mother to be okay as she goes through this experience herself, because what I perceive is that she's the one that needs most of the help. The daughter is doing pretty good, given everything that's happening. We will be even more, we will be totally... We're having a fight here with Annie. She just, (laughs) we'll just dive and she's allowing us and we thank her so much. You don't even know what is the best outcome for that child. You don't even know. No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't have that. What I do see is the mother struggling. I understand. We understand the healing. Let's say maybe the child, the soul has decided to come in for a very quick experience in order to share a gift with the parents, with the family. And this is what happens 
not most of the time, but oftentimes in the situation where a child is very sick at a young age and choosing to leave. It's a gift of compassion for the parents. It's a gift. So we're not saying this is going to happen. We're not saying healing is going to happen, but we're saying no one but that soul knows what's the best, what's their highest good. So for the mom to hold her in that space where you see her orient to her highest good is what you can do best for her. That's what I'm doing. I see it very clearly as the mother's the one that really is struggling in the experience more than the daughter. And it's funny because you can't, and I think this goes to the pandemic too, for a lot of people listening to this as well. We can see this dynamic playing out. I don't feel like I can say anything to this friend that she would be willing or able to hear in any authentic way. So there's really just care and love going to that direction, but there's nothing for me to say that will be authentically how I perceive the situation because it would be uncompassionate to her grief right now. It would be going faster than where she is now, going way ahead of her. So what you can do is offer a silent potential. Hold that space inside of you. And whenever, if ever she is ready, she will come to you with her questions or she will want to share and discuss the situation with you. But if not, whenever you want, hold the potential of her highest good in silence and trust that on an energetic level, it goes to her through time and space. There is absolutely no wall able to stop that. So whenever you want, be in that space, hold her in this light of her highest good. She came also for a certain reason to this experience. She's the mom bringing the child forth. And so guilt can come in and so many dramatic emotions. So she came also for a learning and holding that person in your own light and just being still, if she wants to, she will tap into that on any level possible, maybe unconsciously, but the offer, the gift of your consciousness is there for her to take if she feels it's for her. So basically this applies to most of the people like us listening to this for any of our family and friends when we see what we cannot necessarily say in compassion, (laughs) the silent prayer. (laughs) Yes, it's knowing that when you are still, when you are centered, when you are the eye of the storm, you are giving an immense help to everyone around you, everyone who feels like tapping into that. Because this attitude, this choice, this this state of being is adding to that vibration that is slowly, slowly seeping through mass consciousness. The more we have people choosing to be in their core, 
emanating, radiating that stillness, that wish for the highest good, trusting that they can surrender to the life in intelligence. The more we have people like this, the more, let's say, it'll sparkle on mass consciousness. It'll change it. It'll make it more permeable to consciousness, to real consciousness. And people will slowly detach from that feeding tube with the preconceived thoughts. So the more you, you stay there, the more you are in your core, the more it's helping the whole. And it can help someone specifically, of course. Katie asked, have you been with us in past lives? My intuition says yes, but I'd love to hear your perspective. We have, oh, this is fun to answer because we are not linked to any time and space. We are. And we are part of every experience that we are invited into. And when you say past lives, we rather say parallel lives or simultaneous lives or whatever the, the name or the label, because from our perspective, there is no past and future. And so, yes, we may have been with you. It's a possibility, but we would say probably in a more focused way, probably in a more, probably from our ray to one that has already been embodied, like a master that has already walked this earth or is walking right now. What is that smile about collective? Is there you coming through Eckhart or something? No, we're speaking to that lady specifically. Okay. Just see for yourself how you know it. You know it. Beautiful. Elizabeth asks, what's your definition of true love? True love. For us, we would say it's love is a word that is difficult because for us, love is consciousness. So true love would be something that relates to one's experience of life, not needing another one to create true love, but just being in such a space of awe at everything that unfolds around you. And we are thrilled that you asked the question because we wanted to speak about what is truly love and what is truly consciousness. So true love would be a state of being that makes you revere everything. Everything that you see around you, every piece of nature, every leaf, every drop of water, would bring tears to your eyes. Everything that vibrates life around you would make you shiver. This is true love for us. And so when you are in that blessed state, then someone comes into your life and how can you not love them? 
how can you not celebrate them, whoever they are, however, you know, with whatever luggage they come into your experience. So true love for us is very simple, is experiencing what is without any limitations. That is true love. Rebecca asked a fun question. She said, I'd love to know your thoughts on lucky numbers, or better said, the power of numbers to indicate we're on the right path. I have a certain number that whenever I see it, I feel like it's the universe or even a sign from my mom telling me I'm headed in the right direction and being taken care of. Can you share your thoughts on numbers as a guide? Yes, we'll be pleased to do that. Numbers, beautiful sequence of numbers are pleasing because they have, they hold a lovely vibration. We're not saying you need to see them in order to move on. We're not saying that you need to see them in order to know this is your path. But if this number is singing to your heart, by all means, listen to the message behind it. There is an energy using the number to catch your attention. And that is how that life intelligence is playing with you. It's, it's getting your attention, it's making things feel safe for you so you can move forward. And so if for you, let's say receiving the energetic vibration of your mother is difficult without a surrogate like this, a number that is kind of acting as a threshold to channel the energy of your mother's message to you. It's beautiful that you can do it this way, but we want to tell you, you don't need this. You don't need numbers to align, to align in order to know it's time to move on. You don't, you don't need that. This is kind of, we would say, you're not there anymore. You can move on to not needing the numbers for sure. But it's a lovely, lovely grid to support the energy of consciousness. As long as you feel good with that, as long as you feel you need them, it's like astrology, it's like numerology. As long as you feel the need to connect to that wisdom, it's good for you and honor that. It's beautiful, but surely you don't need it to move forward. Barbara says, and this will be our last question. We have a few others we're not going to get to, but I want to honor the energy of Annie keeping this frequency. So we'll, we'll end on this one. Shame is so prevailing for humans and it feels so powerful and limiting. I've heard of healthy shame and have been paralyzed by shame. Can you collective explain shame and its grip on our lives? Well, the person who invented healthy shame would have to apply this to us. Shame is some energy that all it's doing to a, a being is stopping you, is stopping you to, to blossom and bloom, is preventing you to be from being the one that you truly are. Shame has been shed on you by life experience where you thought somehow you or whoever who is experiencing shame, you thought you weren't in the right path doing the right thing and felt that 
not doing the right thing would endanger your survival capacity. It's a very basic energy, not meaning that it's very simple, but it, we're meaning that it's very foundational to human beings feeling safe. The problem is trying to feel safe from the outside. It's difficult when you grow up, you need the outside, you need the security provider, but as you mature, you have to awaken to the truth that safety lies within. And when you feel safe, no one can shame you. No one can put that dirt on you. No one can scatter your energy like that, like so many generations have been shoveling on the next one. So many groups have been shaming other people who were different or whatever the reason to activate shame in someone. This is so limiting. And so there is no such thing as healthy shame. We would say what is healthy is to be aware. Do you want to do this, to be this, to think this, to choose this or not, but never be ashamed of anything. This will not serve you. This will not serve anyone. It's just belittling, it's hurting, it's refraining the energy flow. It is totally unhealthy. And so the society which loves to discriminate, to choose, to separate, is very fond of shame because it has power. When you can shame someone, you have power over them. This is a mass consciousness way of imposing a certain choice on people. But when you feel safe enough, when you feel that you trust yourself enough, you can just shed any type of shame from your being, emotional being, energetic being, physical being. Shame is of no use to you. Beautiful. Is there anything else you want to share collective today? We want to thank you all for your courage, your bravery for being here, for asking your questions, and for allowing yourself to receive the answers that we want to share with you, even though sometimes they may not align with what you think, what you feel, what you are at in your life. So we urge you, do not take what we say as granted and do not try to impose that on you if it doesn't seem like a good pajama, if it's not comfortable for you. We would say, dare to choose for yourself. And when you're challenged with something we say, just ask yourself, is there something in there for me to grasp, to open up to, or is that just not for me? And ask yourself the question. Just be open with your own self and trust. Trust your own wisdom. And we thank you so much. Thank you, Collective. Thanks to you all. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And if you know anyone that might enjoy this, feel free to share it with them. And if you want to see what I'm up to on Instagram, you can find me at Jess C as in Cookie Lively. 
Until next time, may something wonderful happen to you today.